My next guest is an award-winning public relations executive. Please welcome Tony Harrison. Tony, how's it going? Doing very well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. All things circa 2020 considered. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here. Good. So let's do it. Let's start right off. What do you do? Well, by title, mm-hmm. I am the managing partner and president of public relations for 1035 which by formal definition, because we're going to get into the casual and the real, by formal definition, we are a multicultural communication agency, meaning we specialize in campaigns and communication uh, executions related to multicultural audiences. So for example, with the Black Lives Matter movement, We've had a lot of clients who would come to us and call on us because we specifically target certain communities and, and know the nuances and the communication within those groups. So that's title and formal right. definition. Um, but what that really means is right. <laughs> I manage a lot of media. I manage sometimes a crisis, sometimes it's a good thing, like it's media for a product launch or an award show and it's sexy and it's fun. Sometimes it's a crisis because Mm. that product we launched had a recall Mm. or sometimes it's a crisis because maybe an executive did something that wasn't very savory that we need to repair. So anything that has to deal with the public and media, be that digital media, on-air media, written media, we handle it, manage it all the way around. So, okay, let's talk about, let's say the crisis management part. How does that work? Let's say there is a recall of some product. Your client reaches out to you. How does that work from beginning to end? Sure. So there are a few different types of situations that we would label a crisis, right? Mm. So you could say a crisis that's like a recall, You could have a character crisis, which means maybe an executive or Jesse Smollett would be an example, if you remember that that case with the show. Okay. Then you also have a crisis like COVID, where companies have to change their operations or maybe shut down. We also have the final crisis, which is the natural disaster, the one that we just can't predict the hurricanes or tornadoes and how, if you can imagine how that could disrupt someone's operations, even a governmental entity, but who does the city call to help manage those types of situations? So all of those situations would be deemed a crisis. How they work and how we start, it depends. Sometimes if you have a company, a major consumer brand, right? Think of any major label you like. Mm-hmm. They are currently monitoring the media They're looking at sentiment. If something's changing on social media, they have algorithms and alerts that'll let them know. So you have some predictability there. In those cases, you may get a call from a client that says, hey, we're noticing some dialogue. We didn't start, it's changing the message. We don't like it. Let's get it under control before it gets too far. That's when you can mitigate them. Sometimes it's happening, it's here. We've had phone calls with, oh my gosh, they're outside with guns. Cameras are everywhere. Can you help me right now? 
And it's, yes, we can. Where are you? Who are you? But we've literally had phone calls that way that simply come in that way. And then, of course, when you have something like COVID and companies can't predict that, they don't know what's going to happen, but they say, you know what? We see what's going on. We need our messaging right. Even if you think of retailers, how do they decide what to put on that sign on the door that says they're closed? Right. All of that, again, that public communication, all of that is, is what we handle and do. Wow. So is it getting more difficult now with all the different platforms out there? I guess before we get into that, how long have you been doing this? I have been more heavily concentrated in crisis work the past five or six years. Okay. But throughout my career in PR, so I've had a career in the newsroom where I was an on-air reporter. And what I say time in the boardroom where you're kind of advising behind the scenes so you can affect the newsroom. I'm more on the boardroom side now. And with that, you will always, you know, throughout my career, I've had projects or campaigns, you know, you're launching something and the consumers don't like the taste as much. What are we going to do? But the level of crisis work we're seeing today is far beyond anything I've seen before. I think that has something to do with accessibility, right? So I know you kind of hinted at the different platforms, but our accessibility to cameras and to be able to, I don't have to be part of the news media now to upload it and and get a million people to see it. I don't have to wait until the morning paper tomorrow. And, you know, there are maybe millennials, maybe some of them, but, you know, there are many people who are accustomed to that and think of media as that way. And it's not anymore. So we're in very unprecedented times, which is sort of the cliche statement now. I'm almost mad at myself for saying that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it's so cliche, but it is. And we're in it on both sides. One from just seeing the level of crisis type situations we see, mm-hmm. um, but then from the volume of work crisis management firms are having to manage now. Even, you know, think about the times where you could come out with an ad and H&M could come out with an ad that had a black child with a monkey on his shirt and there would have been no place for you to protest that, right? right? Today, there is some place to protest that. And so the volume of crises we're seeing, even as regular consumers, is much higher because of all of that. Consumers have a voice they've never had before. The media had the voice before. Yeah, so what do you think of, some people are now calling that the cancel culture, and what's going on right now, it is basically allowing you to have a lot more business, is that correct? Yes, but you know what, it would be much, okay, I I don't want to say that it's not rewarding because I love what I do, Yeah. but wouldn't it be so much better if those companies came to companies like mine on the front end. Right. And I have a client who did that two years ago and they came and they said, you know what? We know we need to engage more women, more African-Americans and more Latinx community. We, We know that, we recognize that, hey, we've just always been this way. We've always done our marketing this way. It needs a refresh, help us. Yeah. How do we do that? And that's really why we exist. That's why my partners and I, when we came together and, you know, people said, why would you have an agency just for multicultural? Well, that's exactly why, you know, how we make decisions is different. How we purchase products is different. 
Just like what offends us is different sometimes, right. which is why back to H&M or as Shea Moisture last year, who, you know, was not so smart to their existing audience with the models they chose to, you know, label the African-American hair products. And, things. Right. and so, so yes, it is, it is more business going the long route to answer your question. So yes, it is more business, but we exist to handle this on the front end. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting because you have people out there that now, like you said, have a voice now, have a voice and can now fight back against a lot of these large corporations. But also it's good that companies like yours are able to try to fix a lot of this. So uh, I like it. Yeah, it goes back to, so where I worked previously was another agency and we represented, it was also an agency that focused on the African-American consumer market. That is all they did. It was not multicultural. And one of their largest clients is McDonald's, which they had had for 40 years. And the story is very, very simple. When Ray Kroc started making hamburgers, hamburgers could be universal except black people weren't buying them. And someone went up to him and said, you know why black people aren't buying your hamburgers? Because we prefer ketchup and you only use mustard, which is true. So he started to offer ketchup. Look, new audience, new interest. That right there is the simplest form of why we market differently. Taste buds, how we shop, it's done everywhere so why not here as well even grocery stores you know you'll hear about design right in certain neighborhoods maybe the aisles are wider because they have more families because of certain demographics so apply that to just having more cultural relevance in your marketing being able to really speak to that consumer and say hey i'm not just trying to sell you a product i know you i know your lifestyle and that's why i think this is a great product but not It's really getting into the culture. And I think culture, you know, one thing we always say is we say we leverage culture as a competitive advantage. That's our statement. Why? Because culture is the means through which anyone identifies and embraces a value or a product. How I use my technology, how, where I consume my news Lots of those things are culture. Look at a client I had in the beauty industry. Hair care is a culture, Mm -hmm. right? Right. It's an entire culture. So, you know, I think when, when we get this, oh, cancel the culture, it's like, let's really understand what culture means. And it's how we identify and share values. And that, that doesn't have to be simply racial or just urban, suburban, English, Spanish. It's so many different things depending on how we're looking at it. You know, it's interesting because I feel like due to the lack of diversity on boards of a lot of these businesses, it's like your company is having to step in in some of these areas because of that. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. To to educate Uh, as well. Absolutely. You know, there is a very big difference between having a seat at the table Mm -hmm. and having a voice at the table. Right. And sometimes when you don't have the right voices at the table, you may have 
somewhat different faces and ethnicities filling seats, but who's really having the voice? Right. And it shows, it shows. It's why we've seen, again, I'll, I'll go back to Black Lives Matter just because it's so relevant right now and fresh, but it's why you've seen some companies who've had these statements that are beautiful and they've gotten it right. And it's like almost united a feeling of pride. And then other companies where it's like, you just offended me more. (laughs) This is terrible. And a lot of it has to do with the representation at the table. And if you don't have the perspective, you can't understand it. And so we're often called I mean, typically, like I said, on the front end, we're doing campaigns and things like that. But lately, it's we have had large organizations say, hey, can you just come sit at the table and be a voice right? Yeah, exactly. and help us? And we want to learn. Or yeah. we know we're not getting it right, but we don't know how or where we're not getting it right. So that's interesting. Now, you said you've been doing this for five years. So what made you get into this space and how did you get into this space? So I've been in the public relations space, well, a long time. (laughs) We could say say since undergrad. Okay. Oh, okay. So public relations, straight out of undergrad. Right. So undergrad, were you corporate communications? So undergrad, I studied journalism. Okay. And then I went into public relations. I moved to Los Angeles and I was in public relations. And I said, I'm going to go to grad school study television and film. So I went to UCLA and that's when I transferred my journalism and TV into a career with CBS. And I was with CBS News. I really enjoyed PR a lot more, missed it, wanted to go back. It's just a different different type of lifestyle, yeah. both requiring those same skills, you know, both needing lots of writing, needing the critical thinking and the curiosity, but handling them different, you know, the front end versus what's on air. And so I went back into public relations, haven't looked back since. (laughs) Um, Started my own company six years ago. And crisis work is something that it's a component of public relations, but They're not always one in the same. There are PR teams and then crisis teams. I think dealing with the types of clients I deal with, clients who are either seeking to engage multicultural audiences or even some of the governmental entities we represent along with, by chance, just some of those natural disasters. We talked about Hurricane Harvey in Houston as an example and having to help clients through that really was a springboard for a more visible crisis practice. We always did it, but it wasn't call them. They're the crisis team. And now we've become call them. They're the crisis team. (laughs) Hence the phone calls I've received that are like, help cameras are outside of my house. Like, who are you? (laughs) But yeah, I love crisis work. Not because I want to see any client go through anything that could potentially damage what they do, but because with any crisis, there's always opportunity. And I also believe that with any problem, there's a solution if you work toward it. And so the ability to take what we do of representing a client and understanding what they want to communicate to their consumers and what kind of relationship they want to have 
and be able to support them in a way that says, hey, let's, let's correct this or let's make this smart. Or yeah, we can't control this, but you know what? We can make sure that you shine coming out of it. So handling things like that has become rewarding in a different way because in every instance thus far, and I will knock on wood if it's around me, <laughs> knock on wood, <laughs> we have been able to successfully bring clients through the situation oh, and have positive outcomes. That's good. Now, the crisis can come at, at any time. So what are your hours like usually? And what's kind of your, your typical day? Okay. So <laughs> when anyone says, what are your hours? I say, is Instagram on? Oh, is Twitter wow. on? <laughs> is CNN on, then I'm working. Right. Potentially. My phone will ring at any hour, 4 a.m. on Christmas Day. Wow. <laughs> That's happened. I do try to keep regular hour. I mean, I have to regular office hours, you know, the eight to fives, simply because that's when clients meet. That's when the business day is going. But I will say for many years in a row, I know it at least back to 2016, public relations has been ranked as one of the most stressful careers. And it's always behind things like brain surgeon, firefighter, you know, frontline life or death type careers. And it is because if you think about the pressures of media deadlines and how unpredictable it is, and that many times in this career, I'm getting it from both ends. The media is yelling at me about, why is your client not saying this? You're not doing your job. You can't give me these answers. And then the client's yelling at you, of, why are they asking these questions? Why can't you get them to go away? And so it's a career that can tap so many different skills. The two most important probably being writing and judgment, <laughs> right? Like how you can communicate, especially in written word, because that's how things are these days. And your judgment, your ability to, to make decisions in, in the moment and, and respond accordingly. It is a wild ride. It is definitely not a career for everyone. It's, it's for the special. <laughs> for the special. But we love it, right? Right, it, right. It's definitely one that'll bring out the passion, but it's not for everyone. Right. Okay. Now, the skill sets you mentioned a few, the writing, critical thinking, your curiosity, your judgment skills. Now, what other, or are there any other skill sets or characteristics that you think are important to be successful in your line of field? Sure. So there are a few different routes you could go. You could go the more, let's say, business route which would be the account management, that sort of client relations, managing extensive client budgets. If you imagine a large campaign with multi events in multiple cities and how do we manage budgets and vendors and things like that. So there, there is that route. There's the more creative route, especially as we see more digital, right? So those designers, who's editing the videos, who's writing those videos, those cute social media videos we're seeing on Buzzfeed, like someone's producing that video while someone's writing that content. So there's the creative route. Creative route also includes the editorial route. And that would be the, you know, news writing. And how, how do you see, well, the quotes you read in the paper or online, wherever you get your news, nine times out of 10, PR person wrote right. them. No one ever said those words, right? So there's that's that side of it. And then of course there's the design production if you're going more the advertising route, right? So 
producing commercials. I am less on that side of the business. While our agency does handle that, my, my business partners are way more <laughs> abreast of that side, but there's also that area as well. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about 1035. What all does the company do? Sure. Let's talk about the services and then I guess the philosophy. So services, we have research and strategy, which is you know market research, data analytics, those kinds of things that you need to plan. Of course, we have full service creative, which includes production. So from producing commercials to what is a client's brand representing in their images and their messaging that's public facing from an advertising perspective. You pay for advertising, right? So we call that the paid side of the business. Um, and then we offer media relations, which is the unpaid side of it. So trying to get your client, say, on CNN, or when you're reading about someone and you say, gosh, how did they get this spread? How did, how did he get this GQ spread? That's media relations, securing those types of opportunities. Okay. So, and, and within that, of course, is digital social, because you can't do any of this without having a, a digital social practice that's strictly online. So until recently, it, it wouldn't be very common to find all of those services in-house. Usually there was an advertising agency that just did your ads. Your public relations agency was over there and they did PR and CorpCom and wrote press releases, which... I can't stand to hear. <laughs> and then, you know, you may have a marketing firm over here who does events and makes your giveaways and things like that. Well, what happened was digital media came in and changed everything. It, it disrupted how we communicated, where we communicated. Again, it gave consumers a voice. And so what my partners and I realized was the, the best way to service a brand is not through silos. It's to, again, look at the culture, the culture of who you want to reach, the culture of your product, again, the hair care culture, if you're trying to sell shampoo and conditioner, and create the right mix. TV and print advertising and billboards aren't the only options anymore. Those might still be the best options for your local furniture store, but they may not be the best options if your campaign is to say, promote a cause or get people to wear a mask. Right. You know, that's, we work on campaigns like that as well. So when we came together, we said, it's not that we want to be, you know, a jack of all trades, but what we want to do is we want the clients to feel like they have that communication Swiss army knife. Okay. And they can pull out what they need to best service them. Because also what works now may not be what works later. Right. And so we exist to provide all of that and find the right mix and the right tools for each client to meet their goals. Well, it seems like you've gotten that right mix and the right clients because you've also won some awards recently. Is that right? We have, we have. So you, you could also get the awards as a, a demonstration of the mix to back to what you said, because we've won awards in media relations from public relations society of America We've won an award in community engagement, which is more of the on the ground, you know, people experiential type of award from American Marketing Association. Um, we've won um, full service social campaign from Public Relations Society of America. Uh, from PR News, we won best diversity campaign. And now I feel like I'm getting into a list. So I'm gonna stop there and talk about um, Probably the award that 
is we're most recently proud of is receiving an American Business Award for our crisis work. Mm -hmm. And we received a Gold Stevie, the highest honor for our crisis communication work with um, after the Jamal Khashoggi case, who was the Washington Post reporter who was murdered in Turkey. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all those awards. That's incredible. And it, it does show to you the, the work that you're doing, the type of work that your company's doing. So. Yeah, we love it. We like to say we're a diverse collection of curious hyphenates mm-hmm. because we really try to live at the center, again, back to culture of culture. It's our lifestyle. It's the technology we use. It's the content we consume, and then it's who we are as people. And so we try to live within that and how we practice. Nice, great. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? I would not do well with a day that was consistent, right? Every day I start my day this way, it goes like this. I have lunch like this. I know what I'm gonna get. That does work for many people, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because all of my friends who can't understand how I do what I do really appreciate that type of career. For me, I love the unpredictableness of it. Um, Does it stress me out? Sure. (laughs) Does it add to the pressure? Sure. Um, But I expect that as part of the job. It's like what I signed up for. Um, And I love the ability to really be able to help clients connect. We, most of the work that we do, even for large consumer brands, has some purpose behind it. You know, even if it's the consumer brand who says, listen, I recognize I need to be more diverse in my advertising and I want more women, I want more African-Americans, and I want more Latinx to be able to counsel them and guide them and say, yes, you do, let's do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is very, very rewarding. That serves a greater purpose. And anytime you can do something you love and it be for the greater good and represent something that's bigger than self, to me, that's that's the ultimate. And so I would do this for free if I could. I can't. But if I could, I would. Well, that's great. And that's definitely a common denominator of what I hear from a lot of people that have been successful in what they do. It's them getting into something that they're passionate about. Yeah. We we spend a lot of time working. A lot. And even when we're not working, we spend time thinking about work sometimes. So we deserve to like it. Yeah. (laughs) a lot of time. We should like it. Right. Now, you mentioned the stress uh, at times, the pressure, and uh, how unpredictable it is. What other challenges are there, or are there any other challenges for you? I would say the unpredictableness and how it leads to certain demands. So we couldn't predict, here I go again, back to Black Lives Matter, we couldn't predict that. But when my clients called and said, hey, what should our corporate statement be? It's not just the pressure of a quick timeline. Hey, I need to write this quickly or the team needs to write this. It is, we get this wrong. This is going out to the world. 
So, you know, you have the pressure sometimes of speed. Hey, it's happening now. Respond. Camera's here. But it's also not just, we can't just respond. We can't just react. Because if we get it wrong, <laughs> it's, so it's the way those pressures are layered sometimes, it, it is very hard. It, 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 there are days where, you know, you, you question your own sanity. Like, uh, why do I do this? Uh, why do I do this? But then you realize again, nine times out of 10 for us and with the type of clients we service, it does have a purpose or a greater good. And again, it's what we sign up for. Right. I say to anyone who's, who wants to look at this as a career path, consider it as a career path. It is unpredictable and it is demanding. And yes, you see the glitz and the glamour of the red carpets and, and the great pictures and all of that happens, but that becomes two to 5%. It is all the work and the business that goes into doing that. That's the real work. That's the demands. And that's 24 seven. I've canceled vacations, family holidays, all of that. If Twitter's on, right. Instagram's working, CNN is live, this career's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you have any stress relievers that you do? Ooh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do. So for me, I have to detach and walk away. It okay. helps my creative spirit. Got it. And so physical activity for me is very, very, very important. Yeah. Now, thanks to Alexa and voice dictation, things are much easier, but I'm a swimmer. Mm -hmm. And I would keep a notebook next to the pool because as I was doing laps, ideas would come and I'd have to swim over to write them down so I wouldn't forget them. <laughs> so it's one of those things you can't turn off, but the physical activities, especially if I walk away and say, I'm gonna go just do something, helps bring that creativity back. Yeah. And anytime the pressures are too hard, it's, it is hard to, to walk away, but even something like mindless TV. I love Law & Order SVU. Yeah, right. Oh my goodness. Just because my mind can relax and I'm actually not thinking about which emails are coming in that I'm missing because <laughs> Olivia's going to catch this guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in non-COVID times, I'm an avid scuba diver. Oh, nice. And so, you know, I, and I guess I'm also speaking in, in quarantine terms. So outside of that, I am an avid scuba diver and an avid traveler. I am a self-proclaimed sommelier. Okay. <laughs> I am a big enophile, so I really like to travel to wine destinations yeah. around the world. And um, yeah, yeah. It's, so when I can get away, travel is it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to have something like that. All right. And do you have a most memorable moment? Huh. I have a few. Mm -hmm. Most memorable moment, and it's, it's not necessarily a good one, which is why it took me a second to really think about it, but it's what I think that's important to share at a time like this. My most memorable moment is the time that I was silenced, and it actually made me 
stronger than ever. And I was in a meeting and, you know, we were talking with a client and, you know, a lot of times with public relations, if you're working with a publicly traded client, they have to issue news releases via a newswire a certain way. There's a certain process they have to follow because any news could affect stock values and things like that. This was during the economic downturn and there were layoffs. Well, publicly traded company has layoffs. They have to issue a news release. They have to make it public. So I was sitting with the client and he said, Hey, got to write this release and we have to, we have to prove that it wasn't discrimination or you selected a particular age group or a particular department, you know, like all one, I need to understand the dynamics to put them in the release. So was everybody from a particular department or did we eliminate a business unit? And he looked at me and he said, you know what I did? I just went through the parking garage and everybody with an Obama sticker, I laid them off. And he said that to me with a straight face. This is a publicly traded fortune ranked CEO. And I knew I wasn't in a position to respond. I worked for an agency. I was there to represent them and I needed to maintain my professionalism, although it was extremely hard. And so when you have a moment like that and you feel like you're talking to someone you can't speak up to and you have to take it, you're essentially hushed. But what that did for me was ignite my spirit in a way that was like, you know what? I love what I do and I'm going to find a way to do it for causes, people and brands that matter. And it really helped me start to plant the seeds to start my firm years later. That's great. I mean, there's a couple of ways you can go from that situation and you took it and you used it for motivation and now you're using it for a good cause. So I, I love that. Yeah. It's again, greater than self, right? If we can do what we love and just plant little seeds to lead the world somewhat better. Um, that's, that's really important to me. Yeah. That's great. Well, not great what happened at the uh, with no, the I company, but understand. good outcome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been great. We are at the end of this interview. I want to ask you some quick hitter questions for fun, just to get sure. to know you a little bit better. But before we sure. do, is there anything additional that you want to discuss or anything you think I might have left off? I would just say that anyone who is interested in this career or even in maybe you're a business owner or an executive and realize, hey, we do need to do a better job of, of tapping multicultural audiences or connecting with them. I realize how daunting that can be, especially for established executives. Please reach out to me. I want to have these conversations. Communication is the only way we can collaborate. And so you don't even need to need my service to want to make a difference in your organization or wherever. Please, if I'm not the resource, I'll point you in the direction because this is the time and together we'll make a difference. That's great, Tony. That's good. All right. So let's get to these quick hitter questions. All right, let's go. First one, what's your favorite sports team? The Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, yes. Yep, yep. Father was the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. 
Yes, my father was an original Harlem Globetrotter. He became the head coach, vice president of basketball operations, and where he finished his career until he passed away. So yes, Metalock, Curly, my father played with them and coached them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Nice. Favorite movie or show? Show, I'm guessing, would be Law & Order. Law & Order SVU is definitely there. My favorite movie is probably one that brings nostalgia, 16 Candles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a classic right there. All right, favorite musical artist or group? Prince. Prince. Oh, yes. Prince, all Prince, all around. <laughs> yep, yeah, uh, I saw him in concert. It was awesome. Oh, magical. Uh, yes. Magical. Favorite vacation spot? <laughs> Okay, that's layered. <laughs> or a quick trip or anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. Um, I really enjoyed South Africa and like the Indian Ocean region. So, okay. um, you know, Cape Town, Seychelles, Mauritius, that was just incredible. Mm. And you incredible. scuba dive there? Yes. Oh, yes. nice. All right. Favorite food or drink? Okay, favorite food. Ah. That's, that's too hard. I don't know that I could come up with one. My comfort food, I will say my comfort food, it's not French fries or anything like that. It is actually spaghetti. Okay. Um, so <laughs> maybe that. Uh, my favorite drink, mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. it would definitely be a wine, maybe a, a Chateau Petrus. Okay. Which, yeah. <laughs> I don't get to drink that very often, so. <laughs> well, Tony, this has been great. The work you're doing is incredible. I'm so happy for you. All the awards that you're winning, your company's winning 1035 and the work that you're doing. Where can people go to learn more about 1035 and to reach out to you? Sure. So our website is 10, T-E-N, 35. So 10 spelled out, then the number three, the number five, dot com. You can get to all of our social pages from the website. So we'll just keep it easy and give you the website. You can also find our email addresses there. So please reach out to me if you have any interest or would like to discuss further. We love this stuff. And I want to congratulate you on this awesome podcast and bringing this valuable content to the market at a time when it's so valuable and, and we should be networking and talking and, and learning from each other. So way to go to you as well thank you oh thanks a lot i really appreciate the kind words thanks like i said this has been great and good luck going forward and and congrats for all that you've done so far thank you thank all you right. we'll keep at it all right <laughs> all right bye bye-bye thank you everyone if you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast please reach out to me on instagram at rodolfo cooper thank you bye